Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number 7. <clears throat> Luke chapter number 7, and uh, we're going to be in verse number 11. So if you find your place there, you can, you can uh, remain seated as we read this passage. Uh, a very good story, a story um, that proves um, that Jesus is God. A story that shows his miracles and shows his hand, um, his divine power, and shows his deity. And so, a uh, very good passage that we're going to read this morning. And so, uh, just kind of follow along as I read uh, this morning. The Bible says in Luke chapter number 7, verse number 11, And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him, and much of his people, or much people. And now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the beer, and they that bare him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all. And they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up amongst us, and that God had visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. This morning, as, as you, you already know, but this morning I like to preach a message entitled, When the Lord Gets Involved. When the Lord Gets Involved. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much just for allowing us to be able to sing and uh, give you uh, the, the, the worship that you deserve, Lord. And uh, we pray that you just help us now as we um, get into the message. We pray that you just be with me. Help me to be clear. Help me with my voice as it seems to uh, be struggling here. But we pray that you just help me to be clear. Um, help me to, to be able to communicate effectively. Help me to get out of the way. But Lord, that you, your Holy Spirit would take over. And um, Lord, that um, everyone in here would be helped by your word. We pray that the Holy Spirit, would, again, would be through these, these pews. And um, Lord, that you just um, convict hearts where it needs to be. And um, help decisions um, to be made and lives to be changed. And so we ask you all these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When the Lord gets involved... In our story this morning, as we look at this story, uh, a very beautiful story, but in this story we are reminded of something. We're reminded that through life's tragedies, through life's situations, and through life's problems, it would be wise in those tragedies, in those problems, in those situations to get the Lord involved. Uh, never to go through these situations and these tragedies of life by ourselves, to get the Lord involved. Normally, our first reaction when a situation happened would be to try and come up with uh, a plan or this master plan that we think that can help us in this situation. Um, I remember, I remember uh, in elementary school, I'm going to take you back uh, all the way back, okay? In elementary school, um, I was in the, uh, the fourth grade, and um, there was, there's, there's four people in, in, in the story, so I'm going to give you the, the characters, and then I'm going to give you the, the, the story, all right? So you have myself, my cousin Edwin, a guy named Terrell, and his younger brother, and I, don't, I really don't remember what his younger brother's name is, but we, for whatever reason, called him Baby. I don't know why. We called him Baby. Okay, so we have uh, myself, Edwin, Terrell, and Baby. All right, so in fourth grade, um, you know, I was just doing my thing. I was, I was just me. I, I was never a problem child. You can ask my mother. I promise you I'm not being modest. I promise. I was always just there, okay? I was always doing my thing. Well, let's look at Terrell for a second. Terrell you have one guy that's in fourth grade that's just, just chilling. You have Terrell. Now, Terrell, a little bit of things about Terrell. Terrell was athlete. 
Okay, he was the fastest in the school. Whenever we would have track meets, he would smoke everyone. He was the fastest in the school. He was the best at basketball. I mean, he was the athlete, but he was also the most popular one. And uh, he's in sixth grade in the Bahamas. When you reach sixth grade, that's like 12th grade for high school. Okay, when the Bahamas, when you reach sixth grade, you're, you know, you're the senior, which not really, but you know, you graduate from sixth grade, then you go into seventh grade. And in seventh grade, eighth grade, and ninth grade, that's junior high. I know that's, that's different than what you have, but in the Bahamas, that's what we have. All right, so he's in sixth grade, and he's about to leave. And so I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, ah, there's the man. Well, Terrell leaves, um, and, you know, two years later, I'm in sixth grade. I'm the man, okay? Now, I wasn't the fastest, but I was, hey, I, I like to think that I was the man in sixth grade, okay? And uh, in sixth grade, uh, I'm in sixth grade. My, my cousin, Edwin, he's in sixth grade. Well, Terrell's younger brother, Baby, is in fourth grade. So it's, it's, you kind of see the, the switch, okay? Well, I remember one day in sixth grade, I was outside playing just for, for, for lunch or for break, I can't remember which. I remember outside playing, just doing my thing, and all of a sudden, in one of the classrooms, a hair ruckus. I mean, tables, chairs, just shuffling. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? Well, I walk, I, I go in that class, I hear that I go in the class, lo and behold, Edwin and Baby is getting a little scuffle. Now, of course, this is not a grown man scuffle. There's no, no punches, but they're wrestling. They're really going out there trying to tackle each other to the ground. You know, they're upset. I don't really understand why, but they're upset. And, of course, I'm the, the older cousin, so I'm thinking to myself, okay, I need to stop this. I, I'm the responsible one. And no, I, I got to stop this. Well, I made a mistake. In trying to stop this fight, we have Baby here. We have Edwin here. In trying to stop this fight, when I went to stop the fight, rather than grabbing Edwin, I grabbed Baby. And I said, Baby, no, let's stop. I started to, to kind of pull him away from Edwin. My cousin Edwin saw such opportunity. And now, while I am restraining Baby, he whoo, snuck a punch in there. And immediately, you heard everyone in the audience go, ooh. Trayvon held him down so Edwin can punch him. And I said, no, 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 that's not, that's not what's happening. I'm the good guy. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to break up the situation. It's public school, you know, so everyone's looking for a story, right? Um, this, is, this is before I went to, to, to my Christian school. This is public school. And uh, so, you know, I, I tried to explain that. No, I was trying to help. And they're like, yeah, sure, you held him down. You, you guys are trying to, trying to beat up baby. You know, you're in sixth grade, man. You're trying to beat up this guy in fourth grade. All right. And uh, so I, I, I told it to the principal. The principal believed me. Well, I can tell that the others didn't believe me because that night I got home. Me in sixth grade, probably 11-year-old, 10-year-old. My mom, my mom comes to the phone and says, Trevon, you have a phone call. I'm thinking, a phone call? I'm in sixth grade. Who's trying to call me? I have a phone call. This, this was back then when uh, you had the phones, uh, you had the home phones, and the, the phones were on the wall, and it had the little wire, not the cordless, but they were, you had the little wire, and you had to stand there to actually talk to someone. And I remember that all too well. I came there, and she handed me the phone, and I said, hello? On the other line, dun, 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 it's Terrell, and he is not happy. He said, yeah, Trevon, I heard that uh, you and Edwin decided to, to gang up on my baby brother, whose, whose name's Baby, for some reason. I said, no, no, that's not what happened. He says, yeah, whatever. Tomorrow, I'm coming up there, and I'm going to deal with the both of y'all. And as soon, before I can even say anything else, click. This is too much stress for a kid in sixth, sixth grade, right? This is, just, this is just too much. This is something that you see in a movie, but I promise you this legitimately happened. And I remember in my mind thinking, whew. Yeah, situation here. Uh, um, 
I started thinking, what do I do? I can, you know, I can, uh, can pretend to break my arm. No, it's a little too drastic, I thought. No. And I said, well, let me, let me try and pretend to be sick. So I tried that the next morning, and my mom was like, haha, nice try. You're going. And uh, she was not buying it. I, I, was, I was terrible at trying to fake sick. She wasn't buying it. And so I ended up having to go to school. And uh, you know what happened? When I went to school that next day, I was... I was terrified the entire day. I was, I was, I was stressed out and nervous because I really thought he was going to come. I mean, he's, he was an athlete. He was, he, was, he was a big dude. If you understand, I don't know why, but there's something about when you're an age and a person is a few years older than you, for some reason that person is always bigger than you when, when you're a teenager. I don't know why that is, um, but I look back on it and I see this, the sixth graders today and I'm like, what? <laughs> That's what I was scared of. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like why? I don't know why, but anyway. So I went through that entire day stressed out. Would you believe he never showed up? I was stressed out that entire day thinking he's going to be there to fight and to, to beat up me and my cousin. He never showed up. He actually, he actually really never showed up. I saw him like a year later, and he, he acted as if nothing ever happened. He, I, don't think you, I don't know if you understand the term, but he gave me daps, <laughs> right? But he, he kind of you know, gave me that, like, every, like everything's cool. And, you know, I, I think about that situation, and I was stressed out that entire day. But, you know, in that situation, I wish I was saved back then, because that would have been a situation where I could get, my, where I could get God involved, and, and God would have said, okay, well, tell your mom. <laughs> Duh. Right? <laughs> he, would have, he would have given me some, some intuition and given me some comments and says, hey, tell your mom. But I was so busy trying to figure out about my master plan of how I'm going to fix the situation. And we can be that, like that sometimes. Maybe, I know we're not all in, in elementary school, or none of us really is in elementary school, all right? But when situations come our way, we can react like that. Um, we can get stressed out about a situation, and we can try and come up with this master plan. But I promise you it would be wise if in those situations we would get God involved. I promise you if we would do that, it would do us a whole lot of good. God wants to get involved. He cares for us. He wants to get involved. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 verse uh, um, um, 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. The Lord wants to get involved. And one thing that we'll understand if we get him involved is when the Lord gets involved in our situations, he will show us that he is more powerful than our situations. He will show us that he is bigger than our situations. He's more powerful. The Bible says in Jeremiah 32, verse 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And we know the answer to that is no. There's nothing that's too hard for God. God is more powerful than your situation. So I ask you, as we're thinking about that thought, what is it that we're going through? What is it that is happening in our lives today that God is not involved in yet? What is it that we are trying to put a master plan on or trying to do a master fix on uh, a situation and God is not involved yet? Maybe it's a money situation. Maybe, maybe we have some bills that, that his, we're drowning in and we're overwhelmed. Is the Lord involved? Maybe it's, it's family problems. Maybe you have someone uh, dear in your family that's sick. Maybe you have someone um, 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 in your family that, that things may not, may not be right. Maybe there may be strife, right? Maybe it's job problems. Maybe you're looking for a job and, and you can't find one that's stressing you out because you really need to be able to provide. Or maybe you have a job and you just, you just want another one, right? And that job may be stressing you out. Whatever it is, we would be wise to get the Lord involved in that situation. Because when the Lord gets involved, he will show us that he is more powerful than our situations. 
So in thinking about this and getting prepared for this message, I always like to, to ask God, I always like to know, okay, Lord, give me some insight. Why am I preaching this message? Well, in thinking about this, in thinking about, you know, the week that we've had, we've just um, had, hopefully everyone's had a good Thanksgiving, all right? Hopefully everyone's uh, spent time with, with loved ones, with family, um, had a good time eating some turkey, some ham. It's, it's ham for me, not turkey. No, no thanks to the turkey, okay? Uh, but hopefully you had a good time spending time with your family. Hopefully um, maybe you had the week off or you had a few days off because it was the holiday and you enjoyed yourself. I find myself thinking, if that's the case, if we're just coming off of a week of thankfulness, if we're just coming off of a week of rest, Lord, why preach this message? Because I'm, I'm praying, I'm praying Wednesday, I'm praying Thursday, I'm praying last night, Lord, why preach this message? Well, I, I think it's, it's really because, just because we're thankful doesn't mean that we're not in a valley. We can be in a valley and be thankful. Um, it's, it's not only the people that are on the mountaintop that's thankful. The people in the valley, there are some people that get it that, hey, be thankful, even though there is, that you're in a valley. But you know, it, it makes me realize that someone could be sitting in here, we come out of this message and then start thinking about tomorrow and then think to themselves, back to reality. Back to the situation. Back to, back to this hurt, back to this pain. And if that's the case today, I ask you, is the Lord involved? Is he involved in that situation? We're going to talk about this, this passage here. We're going to talk about this story. I'm going to highlight a few things. Um, we're, but let's talk about the context first of what's going on as we get in this story. You'll notice that Jesus in this story, he just finished healing the servant uh, of, of a centurion. If you back up to verse number two, the Bible says, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. So this centurion, his servant, was dear to him. So this centurion, he liked this servant. And, and so since he, this servant was dear to him, uh, the Bible says that the centurion requests, since he knows that Jesus is in town, he requests that Jesus come and heals the servant. Look in verse number three. And when he heard Jesus, he sent unto the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. So the centurion requests that, hey, Jesus, come and help my, my servant, please. Well, then notice the reverence of the centurion. As, as the, the men tell Jesus about this, and Jesus says, okay, I'm coming. And so Jesus starts to make his way to come and heal the servant. Well, in verse number six, you'll realize the reverence. He's, the Bible says, then Jesus went forth with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. So the centurion knowing, hey, and, it's, and this is very, very impressive. With all of the people that Jesus encountered in his day, with all of the people judging, are you actually the Lord that you say you are? Are you actually the God that you say you are? Here is a man that said, I don't need to see it. I believe it. Here's a man that said, I don't, need you, I don't need to look at it. I don't need you to come. You're not worthy to come under my roof. I know you are who you say you are. I believe that right where you are, you can heal this man. And so I would ask that you do it. He didn't, with all the people that was, lived in Jesus' day that, that criticized him, that says, you're not actually the Messiah, you're not actually God. Here's a man that said, I don't need to see it. I would have thought that he would have wanted to see it to confirm, but he said, I don't need to see it. I know, I know who you are. I know you can do it. I know you're good for it. Notice the reaction of Jesus in verse number 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So Jesus is impressed by this. He said, now this is impressive. 
He's impressed by this. And you'll notice that when he reacts, in, in, from that reaction, you'll notice in verse number 10, the return of the men. When the men left, when they got back home, the servant, like the centurion thought, was healed. The Bible says in verse number 10, And they that were sent returning to the house found the servant whole that had been sick. So Jesus, now when we think about that story, Jesus had just got done performing a miracle. He had just gotten done um, healing this servant. And the Bible says the very next day. Look at it in verse number 11. And it came to pass the day after that he went into the city of Nain. So you notice that this arrival that Jesus comes on the scene. We're going to take a few uh, notes here by way of introduction. Um, you notice the arrival of Jesus. He arrives at Nain. Now, Nain was a small city. Um, back then, it probably was just a few hundred people. But today, if, if you research the city, you'll find out it's, it's about 16,000 people today. So it's, it's, it's massively grown from the time that it was back then. Um, but Jesus entered this town, and it's really just a few hundred people. As he enters this town, he's being followed by his disciples, the Bible say, and his followers. So, and many of his disciples were with him, and much people. So he's, he's being followed by his disciples. He's being followed by people that just are just one. Uh, just to see more, just want to see something, just show me something, Jesus. Which is good, because they're about to see something. They're about to see something big. You see that the arrival of Jesus, and then let's look in verse number 12, the affairs of the town. So when they arrived, the Bible says, and now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, here's what's happening. A funeral is going on. The Bible says, and there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. There's a funeral. There's a man that's dead. There's a, there's a woman that's mourning, not just any woman, a widow. We'll talk about her in a second. And there's a town that's gathered together for this funeral. So as they're having this funeral, all right, this town comes together, and uh, some of them are, are trying to be there for this woman. They, re they recognize that she's a widow, she's alone, her son's gone, right? They're having a funeral. That's the affairs of this town. Let's look at the agony of this widow. Now, Jesus, he looks and he sees this widow. He realizes something. This widow's hurting. Here's why. Number one, she lost her only son. And that's, that's, that's uh, heartbreaking um, because, um, you know, I, I don't have a son yet. But for many of you, I, I can't, you know, I, I can't picture being in your shoes and thinking, even thinking about losing your son. Right? But she loses her son. Now, she's a widow. Her husband had just died. She lost her son. This lady is on the brink of being familyless. That's a reason to hurt. No family. That's a reason for her to hurt. She lost her only son. And because she lost that son, she lost her only support. In Jewish cultures, and I, I have a, 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 a quote here from a commentator that said, In losing her son, this poor widow had lost her last source of provision and protection. The most pitiful thing that could happen in Jewish cultures was losing an only son, signaling the end of that family. But in Jewish culture, she would not now, as her son's dead, she would now have no one to provide for her. She would now have no support for her. So as she's looking at it, yes, she's losing her family. But ultimately, she's not going to have any hope. She's all alone. She's on her own. She's not going to have any support. And so she's, she's in pain. She's, she's publicly in pain, but, but inwardly, she's in pain. And so as Jesus saw, sees this, You'll notice his answer to this situation. In verse number 13, the Bible says, And when the Lord saw her, and you notice Luke, he, he's, uh, he's pointing and he's now describing Jesus as the Lord because he's about to do something that only the Lord would do. He says, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. 
he showed this widow love. He showed her love. Showed her love to say, hey, I understand your hurt. Because he did. He understood her hurt and he expressed his sympathy. He said, I'm, I'm so sorry that you're in pain. I'm so sorry. And you'll notice after he says, weep not, he goes then to help her situation. In verse number 14, the Bible says, And he came and touched the beer, and they that bare him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. Think about it. There's a funeral going on. Guys are, this, this word, beer, it's, it's like an open coffin. It's like an open casket. So if a person died, they would, put a person, they would put the person, the dead person on this, and the guys would carry them out of the city. So it's like um, if we went to a funeral home, and uh, we had this, the service there, and then we, we got the coffin in the car, and then we were going to take it to the gravesite. It's, it's kind of the same thing. So um, these guys are, are taking this guy, and they're going to take him out of the city. The Bible says, Jesus came and touched the bier, and they that bear him stood still. I don't think, you, I don't think we understand this. That means... Literally, in our day, as cars, you know, the police are escorting, as cars are, are going behind, someone literally stopped the procession. He literally went there, he touched and stopped. And the guys that were carrying him stopped. I don't know if you've ever seen that in a funeral, quite frankly. I don't want to see that in a funeral. Okay, because um, you don't mess with funerals. Funerals are very intense. Funerals are, are very um, emotional. Funerals are, are very uh, serious. And so when Jesus touched this beer, he stopped everything. And here's why. He stopped everything from going further. When he touched this, that woman that was in pain, hope came. When he touched this, the funeral, the procession, everything stopped. He stopped things from going any further. And what he did next was he resurrected the man from the dead. In verse number 14, he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And here's what happened in verse number 15. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. He resurrected the man from the dead. He helped this lady's situation. And ultimately, he put an end to her worry. Her situation was helped. Now she doesn't have the worry. He put an end to her worry. When it says that he delivered him to his mother, he put an end to her worry by delivering him. It's, it's more like he's saying, hey, don't worry, I'm going to help. He helped, and then he said, this is why I said not to worry. He put an end to her worry. He restored her family, and he restored her future. I'm just telling you, you look at that story, you realize, hey, get the Lord involved. He was just passing through. He saw someone in pain. He saw someone in agony. He says, hold on, hold on, let me get involved. Hey, it's wise to get the Lord involved. Because when God gets involved, he will show us that he's more powerful than those situations. Jesus was certainly more powerful than this situation. I don't know who say this, who, who said this, but I, I have a quote here. And uh, it says, whatever your problem, do not nurse it, do not curse it, or rehearse it. Just hand it over to God, and he will reverse it. <laughs> I, was, I thought it was pretty funny. I was, I was reading that. <laughs> nice. All right? Do not nurse it. Do not curse it or rehearse it. God will reverse it. So he does. He's, he's a good God to us. And so if, if there's a situation in your life, and you're currently trying to do it all, you're currently drowning, you're currently uh, overwhelmed or worried, why haven't you gotten the Lord involved yet? 
I know we know this. I know it's head knowledge. Hey, go to God in prayer. Hey, ask God for help. But sometimes we forget. Sometimes we're so busy trying to fix things ourselves that we forget. We would be wise to get him involved. A few things here happened in this story. I want us to take um, some notes, um, just some principles that we, we're going to take out of here. And so if you're taking notes, we're going to look at three major events uh, that we come to experience when the Lord gets involved in our situation. So these are experiences that happen in our lives um, when the Lord gets involved in our situation. So when the Lord gets involved, if you're taking notes, notice first of all that there will be affection for our hurt. There will be affection for our hurts. In verse number 13, as we revisit this, the Bible says, When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. There will be affection for our hurts because we will come to experience his hand of love. We'll come to experience as we, pr as we pray, as we get him involved, as we pray, as we seek him through his word, as we seek counsel, we will come to experience the Lord's hand of love. He, we will be shown his loving compassion, his compassion to know, or his compassion um, to understand, so that we know he understands, and so that we know that he sympathizes. We will be shown compassion. The Bible says in Psalms 103, verse 13, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. We will be shown compassion. When we experience this hand of love, we will also be given his loving comfort. Praise the Lord for that. We will be given his loving comfort. There's so much in that word. And you look in verse number 13 when he said to her, weep not. So much in that word that we can say. But his loving comfort was present. Here's why. He basically said, weep not. Here's why. I understand that you think you're alone. Your son just died. I understand that. Your husband's gone. I understand that. I understand that you think you're alone. When he said, weep not, he told this widow. He's basically saying, you are not alone. Ladies and gentlemen, when we get him involved, just know we will be comforted to know we are not alone when he gets involved. He said, weep not, you're not alone. And guess what also this, 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 this saying meant? When he said, weep not, he comforted this lady to know everything's going to be okay. And we'll, and we'll experience that when we get the Lord involved. Knowing that, that we're not alone and everything will be okay. What are we going through today? Are you going through it? Are you going through it? Because I promise you, this lady, she's going through it. I promise you, her situation makes our 2020 look like a joke. She's going through it. But you know what? She got, the, the Lord got involved, and there's nowhere here that, that says that she, she prayed or she called the Lord, but he did get involved. And when he got involved, hey, listen, there was love. There was compassion. It was comfort. Comfort to know, hey, everything's going to be okay. The Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4, Blessed be the, the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. He's the God of comfort. Amen. When we get the Lord involved, We'll get to experience that. We'll get to experience his hand of love. So what is your situation today? Is the Lord involved? Be wise that you, that you get him involved. Secondly, if you're still taking notes, we'll notice that not only um, 
will there be affection for our hurt, but there will be assistance with our problem. And we, we understand this. Um, you know, he told her weep not because he knew he was about to do something. She didn't know that he was about to do them, but he, he knew that he was about to do something. In verse number 14, and he came and touched a beer, and they that bare him stood still and said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. There will be assistance with our problems because we will come to experience the Lord's hand of intervention. We'll come to experience his hand of intervention. I understand this uh, all too well. Um, in college, I, 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 I like to look at college as the biggest trying of my faith that has ever happened, and I think probably that will ever will happen. Well, hold on. Okay. But, <laughs> all right, but the biggest try, trying of my faith that has ever happened, okay, um, here's why. In, uh, in college, um, I, I went out there, I went out by faith. I said, God, you want me there. I trust you that you're going to guide me there and you're going to provide while I'm there. Well, um, you know, my parents, they respected that, but they, they let me know up front. Personally, we're not going to be able to help you. Um, so if you go and you do this, I mean, we'll give you the blessing, but we're not paying. Okay. So I, I thought, okay, God still wants me to go. So he didn't say go if you have the money. He said go. So I said, okay, I'm going to go. Well, while I was in college, I, I got through the, in, in my freshman year, I got through the first semester, okay. Well, the second semester was when I ran into some problem. When you go to, or at least at this college, at West Coast, um, when you go to take midterms, okay, they ask that you have a card that's, a, that's, that's approved by the finance office that says you are caught up on your school bill. So the reason they do this is they don't want anyone taking midterms that is so behind that it doesn't even make sense. Right? They, they're, they're teaching you to, hey, be responsible, be diligent, because there's a lot, of, there's a lot of, 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 uh, of people that's there that has their job, and they just go and spend it on whatever. So they're, they're doing this as, hey, you better be diligent, or you won't be able to take your midterms. So um, the process is you go to the finance office, and you say, hey, am I caught up? And if they say no, then you have to go to the vice president and say, hey, I'm not caught up. But you have to explain to him what your plan is. Now... I realized going to him and saying, oh, I'm just living by faith. <laughs> that didn't fly because he will tell you, okay, well, go live by faith at home. <laughs> he wasn't messing around. So when you went to him, you had to tell him a legit plan. Hey, I plan on paying the money this way. And so I remember my second semester, my freshman year, going to him. And uh, he said, okay, what's the problem? I said, um, well, they said that I need $1,500 uh, to be able to take finals. And he said, and you're going to have $1,500 by Monday? And I was like... Well, um, I don't know. <laughs> I really didn't know what to say to that. I was like, um, I mean, because in my mind, I'm thinking, no way, I'm going to have $1,500 by Wednesday. But, I mean, I don't know what to do. And so he said, okay, well, by Monday, you need to have $1,500. And I think it was like Tuesday or Wednesday. And so I'm thinking, whew. So I called my dad. He said, nothing I can do. Called my mom. Nothing I can do. So I, I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, now, I've gone out by faith for you to bring me here. Now, unless you're telling me that you only wanted me to experience college, okay, and that you didn't actually want me to finish, I guess, but Lord, you brought me here. I, I pray that you would keep me here. And so provide however, however means necessary. It was Friday that my sister called me. Now, I know that might have... Ringed, that might have ringed a few alarms. I don't have a sister, okay? Um, I have a cousin that came and lived with me and my mom um, for a number of years. 
And uh, I call her my sister because in that time that she lived with us, she really was my big sister. So I call her my sister. Well, that Friday she called me and she said, hey, how's it going? And uh, I just texted her back and I said, well, I'll be able to tell you in person in a few days. Because <laughs> I, I, I had already started to think, I'm going home. Ain't no way I'm getting $1,500 by Monday. So I had already started telling the guys in my dorm. I had already started packing, which I don't know which guy it was, but one of the guys in my dorm, he went to the finance office and he put $20 on my bill. And I was like, nice, $1,480 more to go. <laughs> And so I appreciate the gesture. I don't know who it was, but I just thought that was funny. Um, and so uh, I, I, to, I told her, I said, I, I need $1,500 or I'm coming home. I'm, you will see me on the next flight from California to, to the Bahamas. And she said, okay. Well, later that night, she texted me back and she said, hey, check your bank account. And uh, at, at this time, I, I, I still had a Bahamas bank account, um, so I couldn't just pull up on my phone and look. I had to like, go to the ATM and literally like, do like, hey, check balance type of thing. And uh, I went, sure enough, $1,500. You know, I got to thinking about that. If I hadn't prayed and said, God intervene, I'd probably, I'd gone home. She probably never would have texted me, probably never would have thought about me. But I, I thought, God in his intervention, he put that on her mind. He had her ready on standby. But you know what? If I hadn't said anything, if I hadn't gotten him involved, I probably never would have known that she was ready. And that's, that's what the Lord wants to do for us. There are some things set up in our lives for our situations that the Lord is saying, hey, I'm ready. Just ask. Ask and, ask and you shall receive. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Just ask. Hey, I, I'm ready to intervene. Just ask. Don't, don't try and do this by yourself. Don't try and handle the situation by yourself. Ask me, hey, I'm here. I'm willing. When the Lord gets involved, we will come to experience his hand of intervention. His hand to stop the situation from getting any worse, like we see with this widow, and his hand to help guide us for the better. Now, notice, I didn't say his hand to erase the situation away, because sometime it is God's will that we go through a certain situation. So, I didn't, so I, I'm not going to stand up here and say, okay, if you have a trial, you have a situation, then hey, pray to God and he's going to wipe it out every single time. That's not going to happen. But he does promise that he will be with us through those trials. He does promise he will be with us through those situations. And so we will, there will be assistance with our problem. And the assistance may be that he doesn't wipe away your problem, but the assistance may be that he gives you the understanding, the peace, the, the knowledge of how to get through that trial. And that's all you may need. But hey, don't do it alone. God is willing to help us through those situations. When the Lord gets involved, we will come to experience his hand of intervention. And then thirdly, there will be abolishment, I know big words, abolishment of our worries. There will be abolishment of our worries. In verse number 15, the Bible says, And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And we understand that when he helped this widow, he put an end to her worry. He abolished it. That was the end of it. She didn't have to worry about it anymore. It was over. There will be abolishment of our worries. We will come to experience a sense of relief. Whew. Glad that's over. Whew. Glad the Lord's here. Whew. Glad he's with me. We will come to experience a sense of relief. The Lord abolish, he will abolish the worry of our current problem because our current problem was she didn't have any family. Her son had died. She's in pain. He abolished that current problem. You know, he, he also abolished her future problem. 
The Lord will abolish our worry of future problems. The future problem that she had was that now that her son's gone, she has no one to provide for her. She doesn't know what the future holds. But when he provided for her, when he helped her, he abolished all of that worry. Gave her a sense of relief. What are we going through today? Do you need a sense of relief? Because he's good for it. I promise you, he's good for it. I promise you, he'll, he'll abolish all of your worry. We worry, and uh, I was, I was, I was, uh, was teaching or preaching in chapel at, at the school here. And uh, we were going through Matthew um, chapter number 6, where it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And uh, in going through that, we realize we worry because really, ultimately, we don't know if everything's going to be okay. If we knew that everything was going to be okay, never worry about it. But we ultimately worry because we don't know if everything's going to be okay. We stress because we have no idea what's going to happen. And it, and it, and it, it pains us and it, it worries us. But if we would live life with the, the thinking, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know everything's going to be okay because God's in control, never be worried. Never be stressed out. Never be overwhelmed. Experience a sense of relief through the Lord. Now, I could have, I could have put this as a, a fourth point, but I decided to leave it as the conclusion because really it is the conclusion. It, it really is the conclusion to everything. And I think you'll understand that. When the Lord gets involved, there will be affection for our hurt. We understand that. There will be assistance with our problem, and there will be abolishment for our worries. But there's one more thing. When the Lord gets involved, there will be an appreciation for him. There will be an appreciation for him. Look in verse number 16. You see the people. The Bible says, And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen among us, and that God hath visited his people. There will be an appreciation for God. What did they appreciate? Well, you see the Bible says in verse number 16, and there came a fear on all. As they saw Jesus touch his beer and tell this guy, hey, arise, sit up. And the guy actually arise and sat up. I'm sure that scared them. And they thought to themselves, he has the power to do that. He can do that. And that probably made them a little fearful. But you know, it probably also made them a little thankful. Hey, wow, he has the power to do that. If he can do that, imagine what else he can do. Appreciation for the power of the Lord, because we know that He is powerful. The Bible says in Psalms 147, verse 5, Great is our Lord and of great power. That's God. He has great power. They were appreciative of His power, but also appreciative of His goodness. Look at verse number 16, There came a fear on all, and after that fear came, they glorified God. They appreciated Him. They said, God is powerful, and He's good. I think my, my thing I've, I've always worried about, I, I got it down now, but I think when I first became a Christian, one of the things that I figured out but didn't figure out is that I understand that God can. But the question is, will he? I understand that he can, but the question is, will he? Well, they understood he can, and he did. And because of that, they were appreciative of his power, and they were appreciative of his goodness. Because we know that God is good. The Bible says in Psalm 117, verse 1, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. So whatever our situation this morning, as we think about this story, may we be prompted, may we be um, persuaded, may we be convicted that if we are going through something to get the Lord involved, and if we haven't yet, that's okay. 
but get him involved. Decide today that you, let's, let's decide all together that maybe uh, we're going through something right now or maybe we have to put this one in our back pocket because we're about to go through something. But whenever we do, that we would get the Lord involved. Here's why. Let me give you three reasons why. As we look, about, as we look at this passage, you see three characteristics of the Lord that happens, that, that we can draw from this. Number one, we can trust God because he is the God of love. We can trust him because he is, he is the Lord of love. The Bible says in 1 John chapter number 4, verse number 16, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. He's the Lord of love. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. We serve a God that is love. He wants to help us. He wants us to experience that love, that comfort, and that compassion. He is the Lord of love. But he's also the Lord of help. He's the Lord of help. Bible says in Psalm 54, verse 4, Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. And then in Hebrews 13, verse 6, the Bible says, So that we may boldly say that the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what men shall do unto me. Situations? Take care of them. Situations, he'll help us through them. He'll help us through them. He is the Lord of help. He'll abolish worry. He'll abolish death, like he did in the story. He'll abolish worry. He'll abolish stress. He's the God of help. And lastly, he is, and hopefully you understand this one already, he's the God of peace. He's the Lord of peace. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16, Now the Lord of peace Himself give you peace always by all means. Lord, be with you all. And then John 3, 16, verse 33, Jesus himself said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good, good cheer. I have overcome the world. Basically, speaking to this situation, hey, no matter what you go through, just know I am more powerful than that situation. So you can have peace through the storm. You can have help through the storm. And you can have love through the storm. Because he's the God of love. He's the God of peace. And he's the God of help. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Amen. When the Lord gets involved in our situations, he will prove that he is more powerful than our situations. Why don't, you get it, why don't you let him get involved this morning? 